Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diaspora Collective podcast where we dissect and explore contemporary events in news and popular culture and how they pertain to the black community's experience of race while linking concepts to pathways of action. My name is Delali and today I'm joined by Abba, Dominique and Mel. In this episode, we are going to speak about the recent announcement from Meghan and Harry um, on their departure from the British royal family and the media response. We'll be framing this within the relationship between the monarchy and race and considering whether you can be pro-black and pro-monarchy. The rest of the sentence wasn't finished, so I didn't know what to say. So I, just, I don't even have, I'm trying to find the Google Doc right now. I don't even have it in front of me. We are so disorganised today. Like, it just says, the further separation between the Duke and Duchess from the establishment and dot, dot, dot. I think I got distracted and went to go make a cheese toast. It was so hard. I respect it. I respect it. Oh, God. One of those days, I could just tell. But before we dive into uh, this episode's topic, let's check in with everybody. So, guys, how are we all doing? Oh, God. Who wants to the go? The hesitation first? doesn't fill me with confidence. <laughs> I think it's because every time you ask how we're doing, it's like, what's changed every week? Mm. That's the sad bit. Did mm. my walk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mercury's out of retrograde. Yes, big, Woo! big ups. Big ups. Oh, my to God, the... I'm so relieved. <laughs> that it was changed. All too much. <laughs> A very chaotic start to the year mm. that shit puts me on edge like literally well apparently <laughs> you should be getting also a, an announcement from a uh, big b about um restrictions being loosened how does everyone feel about Ooh. that Ooh. well i'm glad Why? that we waited till we were outside of mercury in retrograde <laughs> to make that announcement because there would have been a lot of miscommunications truly but did you see that he was <laughs> about the rapid testing for clubs yeah, go, go to the club if you have a. Uh, if you have I a think it's so dumb. If you're what waiting, kind of is that that guy is smoking something very <laughs> special? Sure. Like you can't even give the the people PPE, and you've got enough rapid testing for people who want to a. Like me too, I want to a and shake bum, but not that much. Like also, yeah, what we do have you do been for saying, that? For the half hour, what do you do for that thirty minutes? You're all just out here in the street, like just spreading shit. Like, no, but if your if your test is negative and all of the rest of your friends, like if you're positive, all the rest of your friends are negative, you have to go home. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, all the whole great. Can I actually imagine you'd just be like, sorry, bye. And then also, they're very much false positives as well. Like, what would you actually do if one of your friendship groups, one of your friends in your friendship group is like positive? What are you going to be like? Oh my gosh, we've been around each other. Or bye. I'm, I'm going sorry, to Sorry, I'd be pissed. Imagine contributing to the group Uber and dress up, beat your face, get all the way to the club door, and you test negative. Just you, and you have to go home on your own. Mm-mm. It cannot be it. me. I would rather not even try than it. go through all of that <laughs> to just be turned away. Like I would rather just stay in my house. <laughs> just I leave me it. alone. I cannot deal oh with gosh. this Panasonic any longer. Oh, that's wild. But we'll see what happens. The thing is, so wild. if you would test positive, but you've been around all of your friends, then they'd all have to go home. And then you've spread it to everyone in the queue anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so they might as well let you in. <laughs> in it. The whole club's got it, so. The way queue club COVID. Queue, it's, a rave. it's not supposed to be this. It's like weird 
that weird guy in the queue that's trying to move to everybody. You're telling me he's not a superstar. Oh. The one that's <laughs> moving up, talking to every girl in the queue. There's no way. There's no way they can do it safely. Oh, gosh. <sighs> but anyway, in <laughs> other world news... In other news... <laughs> Obviously, apart from the club, uh, from the club <laughs> this week has been a hotbed of news once again about the royal family and obviously the tenuous relationship between uh, Meghan Markle and the royal family and the British media. So we just really wanted to take this episode to delve into that, particularly with the links to uh, black British racism, really. Yeah, and so for people who are not aware, um, Harry and Meghan decided to step down as senior royal family members. Is that how you'd say it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, over a year ago, you know, for some reason, it feels like it was just a few months ago, but it's really been over a year at this point. Literally just it's been over a year at this point. And recently, as of I think it was maybe like a, a few weeks forgive me if I'm wrong, they've actually stated how they most definitely will not be returning. Um, now, no, a... it wasn't two weeks, it was two days ago, bro. Who da- Yikes, you see how I'm <laughs> Two days ago. Pandemic. Panoramic, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Time, time is not the same. But yes, as of two days ago, they've actually confirmed that they will not be returning. Um, the reasons for them departing, obviously, they were very, you know, cute and uh, professional about it, you know, saying how they still support the Queen, but we all know the reasons um <clears throat> of which we will delve into today so uh, let's begin yeah just to add to that on top of them just stepping down as senior members of the royal family and their responsibilities there was a royal communication announcement that was released two days ago and it talks about how the honorary military appointments and royal patronage patron patronages Patronages. <laughs> Patronages. She's anything if not determined. <laughs> okay, whatever those things are, yeah. <laughs> um, held by the Duke and the Duchess, will be returned to Her Majesty uh, before being redistributed among working members of the royal family. But I think this is like the stance that the royal family now has made very clear is like you're either all in or you're not in at all you can't have one foot um across the line and the other foot out so yeah this ain't no hokey cokey that's what the queen said Mm. thing is i think that stance would be fair if they had actually supported megan and harry in the first place but they were kind of just left literally from the engagement to whenever so you can't really expect them to be that committed to a system that literally has helped tear them down. Because yeah. I think Mel's right, because normally we have to kind of guess like, oh, is the situation because of this? Is it because of this? But they were very explicit about the issues that they had, which were the treatment of Megan and like the underlining racism under that. So like, I don't really, it's not like they can kind of say, oh, we don't really know what to say. Like, you know what you were meant mm. to say? And I think it's very interesting that there haven't been any advocates for them within the royal family. I don't know about you guys. Like, I don't really spend a lot of time, like, worrying about what the royal family say. But I don't know any extended, like, royals that came out in support of them to kind of say, like, we stand with them mm. in solidarity. Like, there was nothing like that. So that kind of really said it all from the beginning in terms of where their stance were on that issue. 
Mm, even like uh, Princess Michael of Kent, she wore a racist brooch to a lunch with Meghan Markle. So I think that kind of shows what like the extended family kind of thought about. Even if it was accidental, she still put that there. She still knew the connotations of what she was wearing. So yeah. I don't think you can even like make an excuse for not that any of us are, but it's just the idea that these people are in the spotlight, as you would say, 24-7. Their life is scrutinised to a T. So wearing a brooch, of which, you know, will probably have some form of neg- negative connotation, like they have to be held accountable for the fact that you not, you probably knew, like you can't, the way that I, I assume that they are very heavy on the way they dress them as well, because you've even seen the media, the media, the way they used to, you know, say how Megan could be wearing this and wearing that. So I just feel like, they know how they're being dressed. They're not just wearing any anything anyhow. So, yeah, it's quite it's quite frightening. And um, I'd read somewhere that actually uh, Harry actually well, I think this was quite a while ago. Harry had written a statement saying how he's seen that the media had the way that it affected his mother. He's seeing this like history repeating itself with his wife. And I can only imagine how not trying to put it on the fact that Harry's the one who's suffering, but I can only imagine what it's like from seeing that as a kid for to your mum to now seeing it for your wife and the fact that it's you know it's got racial issues as well that is it's in a way like how do you comment on that how do you deal with it and then even Megan in herself having to deal with that not only being in a way an outsider because of her being American and also her being a black woman yeah it's quite it's quite a lot it's quite heavy even with like Prince Harry even though he's supporting <clears throat> Megan now and stuff he like came up with a statement saying that before he was dating Meghan, he had no idea that there was an unconscious racist bias in England, which Mm -hmm. I feel just shows how detached Mm -hmm. they are from reality and from the people they actually rule. Like, I'm not saying Mm. I... I understand he's put out statements since saying, stop treating my fiancé, my now wife, like this. However, without Meghan there, he would be completely blind to the injustice that black people face in England which is ridiculous considering how much he's benefited off black people we pay our taxes we do all those things so I I have limited sympathy sometimes I think there's also an element of like it's not saying like stop being racist to stop being racist it's like framed as in this is hurting me like this is now causing pain to me you know when people are like oh imagine if it was your daughter or your mom or like like you shouldn't like you shouldn't have to do that you should just be like okay well this injustice is happening and like Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be happening and that's enough reason to act you know accordingly so rather than being like oh well I know someone black and all my friends black and I can only emphasize with like oppression or sorry yeah like with experiences of oppression or racism when I put myself into the narrative no exactly and I'd seen um I don't know if you guys had heard when um a lot of people were saying saying the royal family did release statements about BLM and everything that was going on and actually like Prince William had posted tweets about uh the racial abuse that football players were so what had gone to oh January. my god mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the last year yeah or this year 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he posted tweets and he'd basically written that racist abuse, whether on the pitch, in the stands, or on social media, is despicable and it must stop now. We all have a responsibility to create an environment where such abuse is not tolerated. And those who choose to spread hate and division are held accountable for their actions. That responsibility extends to the platforms where so much of this activity now takes place. So obviously, what he's writing, writing is absolutely correct, but it's like, where was that energy for your sister? Yeah. Life? I mean, we say this all the time, like, if you want to be anti-racist, start within your own home. Like, sorry, look within your four walls. I think it's like you're talking about racism on the pitch, but they've essentially ignored all of the narratives that are have been about, like, the racism Meghan has faced, both within the institution of the monarchy mm-hmm. and at the hands of the British press. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I mean, I have my own opinions about monarchy, but you can't deny that they still have a symbolic value in Britain. Mm. And to me, they're kind of like lack of um, urgency with saying anything about racism. Like Mel said, they said nothing about BLM. I think people had shared concerns in the past about like concerns with the the Queen's honours and empire and should refuse to make a statement. Like they don't talk about it, which to me means that they still see like issues of racism as a political stance opposed to like a moral issue. And if you subscribe to what the crown is meant to present, like represent in Britain, it's supposed to represent British ideals and it's supposed to be a compass of morals. So you just think how powerful would it be for the people that are pro-monarchists and do think that their values should align with what the monarchy is presenting if they did come out and speak against racism and they made it explicitly clear that anti-racist behaviour is a British ideal. Like for me, the fact that they just choose to be completely silent like says everything about how they view like equality and how they view um, being anti-racist, especially in regards to anti-black racism. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if we need to do like a rundown of um, like whether Megan has faced racism or not, mm. or like the sort of thing gone through like we can put links in the resource roadmaps and stuff yeah but um I think what we wanted to do was like have a bigger conversation about like how we relate to the monarchy as Mm -hmm. black individuals um and maybe like the history that contextualizes some of our um feelings and maybe like what our views are on the monarchy going forward because I think Megan has sparked a lot of that conversation obviously there's been other things recently but that's one thing that aside from like the individual impact on her we've kind of seen that narrative like really re-emerge now mm-hmm. yeah I think that would be a good place to start I was going to ask like what does monarchy mean to you um as a black or black british woman and how do you relate to like the idea of royalty or the establishment i'll be honest i don't think about the royal family whatsoever like i don't (laughs) i don't see a link to them as to how i am as a black woman the thing that i found interesting about the royal family is just learning about you know the history about them and you know i love i can't lie when i watched the crown i learned a lot you know and not even just that just in terms of like how like the way okay i get i know they're acting but realistically and it could have all been acting like they've, they've been facts up in there but um watching things like that because i i love a good royalist um 
like TV drama. So I've watched it on like Henry VIII, on like Catherine of Aragon. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I just think it's super interesting to learn that. But I it's so odd because I've never thought of them as anything that affects my day to day. Because to me, I'm like they, they they just sit there pretty realistically, and you know Parliament are doing their thing. They you know meeting up every week discussing X, Y, and Z. That's about it. I can't lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't really think me, about them yeah, yeah it, it's just so I don't know I think it's a really good question to ask because you really think to yourself that wow right, we literally live in Britain but I think nothing of the royal family <laughs> and if they even contribute to doesn't spark me joy <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like they're there they're just there you know mm, part of the furniture <laughs> that's literally how they, do you know what I mean like I don't really like have a not even an opinion I don't like I obviously have an opinion on them but they don't really come into my mind I'd say probably even once a week unless they're on the news and that's literally it I feel like that's kind of it I think like I agree with you guys and I think it's just because I just don't relate to them I'm like what am I meant to relate to as a young black British woman about the about the like the monarchy not just the royal family but but about monarchy Mm. in general Mm -hmm. um and I don't know about you guys, but I think one of the most difficult things coming from African heritage is like within our grandparents' um, lifetime, a lot of that was framed by anti-colonial struggle and anti-imperialist mm-hmm. struggle. So for me, coming from Ghana, where like the fight for independence is such a defining moment of our history, we mm-hmm. celebrate independence day every year, it's like a big deal. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about, like, why would I relate to the British family when a bigger defining for me is my freedom from what they represent? So mm. I think that's why I find it, like, it just doesn't, like, it just doesn't corroborate with my identity yeah. at yeah. all. Um, yeah. There was an episode I of think... The Crown about that, about when, well, when the Queen had gone to Ghana. And it was, yeah, Elizabeth II when she went to Ghana. And it was so funny because she, um, the character made a comment saying something like, oh, we don't want the country to think of anything, something silly as like, you know, independence. And I was like, oh, it's it crazy. Was like that. They actually did think that. <laughs> they really did think like that. And, you know, I, I just think to myself that, you know how when we talk about um, like generational issues and people who have been brought up in a generation where, you know, racism was just out there and they didn't see it like that. The Queen is probably part of that that generation where her mentality however many years ago could potentially still be the same as to how it is now so sometimes yeah. I think to myself like does she really think like that or? yeah but I mean she was the linchpin in trying to maintain empire when it was all falling apart they gave her that mission like go around try and re-rally morale try mm. and bring all like the colonies back into like wanting to be under British rule so obviously I'm not saying I don't know what her politics are yeah. I don't know what Lizzie's politics are they've probably <laughs> progressed but it's very difficult for me to think that you know that was like a mission you were given it was your duty it was told you it was your duty you committed yourself to that and you don't have ill feelings now going mm. forward that like empire basically crumbled under your watch kind of thing but like I said, I don't know the chicks. <laughs> I can't speak for her. But yeah, I just yeah. find it, That's I think that's what I find really hard. I find it really hard to take that history and add it to now and figure out why I should connect. Mm. I think though we are in the minority. Like when I was reading up on the topic, uh, there was a study on YouGov or something and it was like three to one 
um, people thought that the empire was something to be proud of and one third wanted it to still exist. So I just feel like those are quite hard hitting facts considering that no one I've ever spoken to ever thinks they're good. But then a lot of, like the majority of the country actually do. They kind of want those old ideals back really, which kind of emphasizes how the royal family is basically a hangover from colonialism, so. I mean, I, when I think about my experience and how I relate to the establishment, I just mm-hmm. think about when I got my British citizenship and I had to like stand in this room, sing the national anthem and then get a picture with my citizenship certificate underneath a picture of the Queen. That's like the extent of like <laughs> the way that I think about that and how it relates to my experience as a black British woman personally. We can talk about all of the cooked things that the royal family has done until the cows come home. Sure. Uh, their their existence is like it props up white supremacy in my opinion like the idea that someone is ordained by god to rule um Mm. and that that person is or like historically has been white like it does just it doesn't really do anything to like break down white Mm. supremacy and i think on the other side of the coin to that is like what you were saying like BLM doesn't fit into that narrative. Why would the royal family write about BLM or their support of a movement where their very existence is to uphold the very thing that is exactly the opposing thing to that? No, and I think you're a hundred percent right. Like, like the history. <laughs> there's no point doing a history lesson because it'd be like ten hours long. There's so much that like proves their like racist history. But if you look at it contemporary, like in contemporary times and look at their ideology, I think the whole situation with Meghan just made it clear to me, like, what does a diverse monarchy or an allied monarchy do to serve black people or do to dismantle racism? It doesn't do anything like Meghan's experience is very representational of the fact that like, you know, like black people and black faces in high places. Mm-hmm. She's in the highest establishment in Britain and Mm -hmm. she's still facing the same structural Mm -hmm. inequalities that we all face. And for me, a lot of the racism black people face is is created because of like material realities. So a a lack of access to resource, a lack of access to opportunity. We've spoken about all of those things. Therefore, how can upholding an institution which existence is on the fact of privilege, basic privilege, Mm -hmm. I am born Therefore, I get these resources that I've stolen from other people without fact, and I am more important than all of you by birth. There's nothing within that existence that can dismantle racism because those are the very um, the, the very situations that create racism. That's what racism was born from. And also, mm-hmm. I don't want to do like identity politics, but even if you look at it more like structurally, the chances of us ever having a black monarch are literally zero. Like they could be one day, but within my lifetime, my grandchildren's lifetime, my children's lifetime, it's probably not going to happen that we're not going to see that we're going to see a monarch that is wholly black. Like by genealogy, it's just not possible. So if I know that we can never actually truly be in that space, Mm. like why am I going to subscribe to it? And that's like a very, very broad 
argument like I don't really believe in identity politics but if you're just looking at it in terms of representation mm. we can never be fully represented in that space so mm. how is that space ever supposed to exist for black people mm-hmm. um yeah. but for me a more egalitarian concept would be to have no monarchy but i'm talking as if we're always gonna have the monarchy if we're always gonna have the monarchy and the monarchy can never be black what does that do to serve me yeah. just in basic these terms personal, these are all personal views people before you try to come <laughs> and be like oh you're anti-british or you hate no it's a very it's, it, like, it's a very theoretical concept i'm yeah. just saying in theory my people can never be in that space so how am i on the basic yeah. concept supposed to relate if the basic concept is my identity being in that space or me feeling accepted in that space okay we all subscribe to like forgive me if I'm just generalizing here but like we all subscribe to the like the label or the identity of being black British the monarchy is a very it's like the cornerstone of like Britishness uh, and it like Britishness does not come without the monarchy right so how how do we how do we navigate that exactly and I think that's like when we're talking about where we want Britain to go if we have all of these spaces that we think can be um, like retuned um, and can be rebuilt to be better, if it's physically and structurally impossible to rebuild that space to become diverse and to catch up with the rest of society, like arguably does it serve us? And I'm not, I'm not making a decision there. I'm just asking a question. Like Dom says, if that is like the cornerstone of British identity and we're now saying British identity is an identity that is inclusive, it's representative, um, like it, it, it just, it's about equality. If we can't make that space equal, where does that leave us at the end of the day? I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think these are like new... Obviously, as black women, we're very we're struggling with this concept a lot. And I don't think it's like we're alone in trying to figure out how does like being pro-monarchy or aligned with the monarchy or aligned with monarchy in terms of British values and British identity interact with our blackness. And I think for me, like just seeing like the amount of people that are questioning their MBE and their OBE like um, accolades Mm. on the Mm. basis of their blackness really frames that like whether we like it or not like it's a big question within like the black community now there's so many people that are rejecting them not just because of like the acronyms of what MBE and OBE stand for which I think are they member of the British Empire and order of the British Empire Mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm, yeah, I guess so. That sounds about right. <laughs> um, yeah, not just because of what like the acronyms stand for, the very title stands for, but obviously because of like what like monarchy stands for in terms of like what they're trying to do to support like black struggles at the time, those very individuals themselves, and that they don't think that the two correlate. So yeah, I wanted to ask you guys' opinion on that. Well, my question would be, the fact that Black people are receiving those titles, is that then an extension of trying to include Black people in the establishment? Mm, like, so. to increase representation, yeah. to make it relevant so. and, like, identifiable to us. But then that comes with such a 
heavy lineage of like pain and struggle when you think about like the anti-colonist like colonizing movements and how the monarchy mm-hmm. was like essentially like the reason why colonialism happened so mm-hmm. it's such a like complex web of trying to understand how all of these concepts and experiences and like historical um events knit together and contribute to our experience as black british women i was just gonna ask you what you would do if you got called for an mba or an iba um how would to be you honest, feel about it you can i would reject it i don't do yeah, enough work to <laughs> receive one <laughs> even if i did it's a nice. like, you sure You're not productive enough <laughs> no absolutely not those accolades are like the wrong way to go about including the black community though like mm. I think it just seems a bit half-assed considering it's got the word empire in the <laughs> actual like award a bit of a tone down uh, yeah, yeah. Like, do your research I don't know and it's like, like I think if they, if they actually <laughs> want to like include us maybe donate if, if they want to include us and still continue to be apolitical as they're meant to be you could say why don't they donate to anti-racist causes with the taxes that we're paying them? Why don't they stand up for Meghan Markle when she's in the press? Like just basic things like that. If you want to actually include us in an authentic way, mm-hmm. maybe don't give me an award with the word empire <laughs> in it. It's amazing because I'm literally reading up like what the eligibility is for it and like what it stands for is like something that's positive and you like making a difference in your community and Mm -hmm. you know the achievements that you've made and I can imagine people who receive those awards can actually make can even go further to make even more changes especially in like their communities and stuff like that but like you guys are saying like the actual title itself I feel like it just really overshadows what it actually means because you're saying empire and like you said people who have come from countries who were once colonizers like yeah yeah why would I want that this is like is this a symbol of progress or is this real progress like I think that's what's frustrating I think the question of like real progress versus like symbolic process and progress in relation to OBs and MBEs is quite uh, a good point Dom because when I was looking at the list of people who rejected them and the reason why um Benjamin um Zephaniah rejected his because they obviously there was the colonialism element and the empire element but at that time his cousin had died in police custody and um, the state were refusing to take action. So he was like, how can you offer me an MBE in a time where I'm going through something, not just on an individual level, but on a structural level with racism. And that's a really good point. Like you want to give us MBEs, but you don't want to tackle state violence. You don't want to tackle state inequality. You don't want to tackle the big Mm. issues that are actually Mm. affecting black communities. If I get an MBE and I walk in the street and I get murdered by the police, what is that MBE going to do to protect Mm. me? So we've obviously shared our reservations, but I'm wondering if they're quite generational um and maybe a bit motivated by some of our politics obviously um I'm thinking about some of the reasons why people who are black would relate to the monarchy or subscribe to their value and the two things I can think of one we still have the commonwealth so Mm. like technically there have been efforts by Britain I guess in some capacity to deal with like the colonial legacy from monarchy and empire by setting up the commonwealth um also I think it's interesting I was speaking to my mum and I was also thinking about Princess Diana 
um and i don't know about you guys but i swear favorite. everyone's <laughs> mum everyone's Diana. black mum the original white babe like, she was everybody's auntie like the day she died everyone was like that's it my best friend's gone um so yeah i think those are kind of two things historically in my head i could think of um i wondered what you guys' opinion was first on the commonwealth and then secondly like on the value of maybe having more aligned um royal family members like diana and like megan because people do still find ways to relate to them i think in terms of the commonwealth and the way that it impacts um like black different black communities especially over the course of the past half century like when you think back to Windrush generation the reason why so many um people from Jamaica wanted to come over here was because the the like Britain was framed as home place it was framed as the center um the capital and people were excited to visit this I mean like conceptual but also physical like metropolis um of their like ruling quote unquote country. And I think that's how empire still works today because it is reliant on us subscribing to this conceptual home place in order to make it better. So like build back Britain and like how that related to um, like the Windrush generation. And then for example, in South Africa, I've spoken about it before, we have things like the brain drain where um, various university educated professionals are um, recruited from companies that were previously colonized by the UK. And that's still viewed as an extension of home place, which is why mm. people buy into the idea of coming to the UK and making mm. a better life. And I think that whole, it's like, a British version of the American dream. I'll come over to the UK, I'll get a better education, my children will get a better education, we'll build a better life. And I think that idealism goes hand in hand with like the home place or empire that like monarchy underpins. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That was quite yeah. a long-winded explanation. It makes, mm. it makes massive what sense. I was to say. <laughs> no, it does make massive sense. I think you framed it perfectly. Like that's exactly why I was thinking, we feel like this, but like I don't think our like grandparents who maybe migrated mm-hmm. over feel like this when they think about the Queen and monarchy. And like, why is that? And I think you did frame that perfectly. Um and I mean, like, to me, the Commonwealth is mad. I think the idea that you can have a Commonwealth between Britain and countries it used to colonise and stole resources from and that they can all be on equal footing without reparations, how is it a Commonwealth? Because mm. it's it's countries, like, in cahoots with their ex-oppressor, the reason that they need to find ways to mm. develop and to regrow is because they had resources, both human and like material resources stolen um and without reparations i don't understand how like just working together to fix issues that one perpetrator cause is going to work but i think it's a good example i guess for counter arguments of what people might say if they think about like well what is like monarchy and the image of monarchy doing now to try and reconcile with that um inequality if we hirsch wrote a really good article on the, on the commonwealth i would suggest people read um our Ghanaian queen F.Y. Hirsch um always be, always beef and Piers always Morgan <laughs> we, <love her. laughs> we got her um but yeah like just like 
it's like British companies still control one trillion of Africa's key resources um, and people talk about aid but Africa you I think it loses like 30 billion more each year in terms of loans in terms of repaying Britain than it gets in aid <laughs> so <laughs> really yeah <laughs> don't really know what's been my mind there. is blown yeah oh my god yeah we can talk about reparations I think in one episode my second question was just like <laughs> With Diana and, like, obviously Princess Anne unfortunately passed, but, like, Meghan is another example of, like, whilst we still have monarchy, like, the value of maybe having um, royal family members who are a bit more in tune with people and people who people uh, can relate to a bit more. So I don't know if you guys wanted to touch on that. I think that's why a lot of people compare Meghan and Diana in terms of as if they are, I don't want to say the word is rebellious because it's not, rebellious what they were doing but as in like the in terms of what they stood for and like what they personally believed in and not feeling like they had to you know follow exactly what the royal family did or what like they ex- the expectation of being a princess it's like they see it as like it's some form of rebellion like oh my gosh how could they like how could Diana that like I remember I'm sorry if I refer to the crown I know this is very backwards this is how I've learned about a lot of the royal family but I'm gonna say it as it is like I don't know I'm not a historian but like one of the episodes, one of the episodes um in the crown is when um I think they I think it was like Diana and um Charles Charles Charles, Diana and Charles were on their tour and um or maybe it was on my did this wrong but basically Diana went to a hospital and the kids had leprosy and obviously like a lot of people were like oh you can't touch the children like you know you will get it because back then they thought that you know even being in contact with people had leprosy like you would carry it but she literally hugged the child because she was like I don't care like Mm. this child is by themselves this child doesn't even get to have hugs from um, their mother and stuff like that and it's very minor but it's just an example of how like regardless of what other people said she still stood for what she believed in and still went for it even though there was so much backlash and there was like a statement that I think that um Diana had I don't know if Diana herself had said it but she said something like you know the British media sometimes they would be on her side and you know she could work alongside them really well but then sometimes they were too inner and you know they kind of overstepped the mark so there was like a really rocky relationship that they had um but yeah I kind of wanted to like link it into the British media and how they portray Megan and you know that comparison to Diana you know Diana was all full of drama she had all of this and this going on with Megan it seemed like she's got all this drama like the same things that Megan is doing which are parallel to Kate but Kate is painted as something that's like you know positive and it's cute and it's nice but then when it comes to Megan it's you know she gets penalized or it's seen in the negative connotation or it's like it's affecting mm-hmm. a wider you know things so mm. maybe that's why a lot of people like Megan because they see her like a, a like a bit of a Diana I think whilst we have the British family and like assuming the British royal family assuming they'll always have a royal family I wonder if like it's it's funny to me that they shy away from having characters like Megan and uh, Diana because just in my opinion if you're asking how like the royal family can relate more to black communities it is by having individuals like those like they're the ones that make the image more humanized um so i just find it interesting that they fight against that so much maybe it's because i want to create a barrier though between them and their subjects shall, shall we say kind of thing whereas both diana and megan 
the kind of like you were saying have that human touch you know like Diana obviously touch people who are ill Megan's kind of from like a normal background that so maybe it's because they kind of break down the barriers between the royal family and the public and that's not something they want yeah Yeah, that's not something they want though because if they want people to keep paying for them and stuff like that they kind of have to be seen as they deserve that money almost maybe people who are saying that you're almost in a way giving off that you're less than because you are a black woman and I wonder if there's some element of the fact that she's American because would would that also make yeah I was thinking Mm. about this and like how this would be perceived if it was like a hundred years ago so I remember there's like very similar parallels I think Queen Victoria her uncle abdicated so he could marry an actress and I think the Mm. parallels between like what's going on in modern day like British history and the way that the royal family has responded is like nothing has changed in terms Mm. of the response like Mm. he, he was essentially exiled after he chose um to abdicate and marry Mm. um marry the actress so i think like the monarchy (laughs) it either needs to like move it or lose it i feel like it faces extinction if it continues to um Mm. subscribe to the politics even though they're meant to be apolitical um Mm. that it it, um that it represents or that it's yeah subscribes to or it just like starts talking about black lives matter starts starts um (laughs) like donating to causes that are outside of upholding this idea of white supremacy um and then another thing that i was thinking about was like in the media um how a lot of it is to do with like you know we talk about celebrity and we talk about like royal royal people it's this idea that you're entitled to know all of these things about them um, and you're entitled to certain information which really is none of your business and I think that's the thing that like that I got so frustrated with about peers making that comment about the royal baby announcement Harry and Meghan have their own autonomy to to like share mm-hmm. whatever they want with the media on their own terms. Mm-hmm. That is their decision as a basic human right. Like it is like your decision what you decide to put out on public spaces or forums or social media. I think the idea that he was trying to make us like, oh, you're shying away from the press, but then you like, yeah. You're being an, a hypocrite by then posting this good news that should be celebrated and rightfully mm. so to to the same media that you're criticizing. But it's like you've missed the point. It's about consent. It's about yeah. understanding that there are some things that they'll want to share and there's some there's some things that they'll want to withhold, and that's fine. And also this idea of the media going behind their back and like publishing things without permission mm. which they like, would have if they'd seen no, that they would that's, have they, they published that letter from her it's dad it's a transgression yeah. like it's an invasion of privacy and I don't think that just because you're celebrity or just because you're someone who is part of the royal family that that warrants mm. that treatment they're still mm. human exactly but regardless of whether they were ordained by God or not like <laughs> that okay so yeah that's just my mm. run on on Hi. the media and peers yeah. and consent but it's hard as well because it, this comes months after she had opened up about a miscarriage as well and it must have been so hard to do that because again she's in yeah. such it's such a public 
light and there's already so much hatred that comes along with just her day to day so imagine sharing something like that that could have been used to just shed light on a very a very serious health topic that is that has a been lot happening of women for years. and a lot exactly. of black women face exactly. when it comes exactly. to maternal deaths in the mm-hmm. UK and it links and it links back to Mel's point in terms of like it's humanizing the fact that it doesn't mean that they have to go through it but it's like these like she's a woman so these are things that she's gone through and her opening up about it is one not cannot be easy but it's also showing that she wants to show you know what this is what I've gone through and I want to open up because there's probably other women who've gone through it and have no idea how to talk about it or know anything about it but instead it was used as something to beat her down with saying like oh but you say you hate the media but then you're opening up about the fact that you had a miscarriage like I just think is is disgusting is what is absolutely wild and had anyone else not that I'd wish anyone else but anyone else who'd gone through something that's been as awful as that that same energy wouldn't be the same no, I mean, yeah, Piers Morgan is just the king of like dense takes anyway. That's such a dense take, it lacks so much nuance. It's very basic. The fact is about mm. agency, like Dom said, them sharing mm. information on their terms, not the terms mm-hmm. of the media, which has re- mistreated them. Um, and for me, like a really interesting parallel was like Kate's last pregnancy was a really dangerous pregnancy, and they announced that and they were like everyone needs to treat her really delicately because this is a really difficult pregnancy she got that treatment Mm. (laughs) why can't you extend that same treatment to Megan Mm. I mean we know the answer um Mm. but like yeah the British media is just like it's a mess anyway but it has been the champion of racism and sexism actually for a really long time one slightly Mm. positive note is the fact that when they did announce it was the same date that Princess Diana announcement ha- when she was pregnant with Harry. Oh, closing comments. Abs. We're not against the royal family. Let me just put that out there. Um, we just don't necessarily think about them on a regular. But my closing comments <laughs> is, comment is that I hope. Um, that with new generations that come through the royal family i guess at this point it'd probably be like what will yeah that i'm hoping with like a new generation of royal family that they actually open their eyes to knowing what the difference is between being apolitical and actually talking on human morals yeah really yeah and like um just stuff like that and just being open and honest about these things because i just think that if you can comment on let's say football players that go through racial um, injustices, which should be spoken about as well, don't get me wrong. Um, You should have that same energy for, like you said, even people that are within your family, just in everyday life, um, not have to necessarily wait until there's like a global uproar about things occurring before comments are made. So Mm -hmm. I think my closing quote would be, oh, closing comment, is probably that anti-racism starts at home. And also we need to stop pressuring black people to subscribe to institutions that previously oppressed them. And that's all from me. Agreed. Um, And on the institution of monarchy, I think our main points were trying to separate the people from the institution. I think black people are perfectly justified in thinking, does the institution of monarchy actually lean itself towards achieving black liberation? 
But whilst we question that, we can still want the best for people that are within the royal family, especially those that identify as black or have black heritage like Meghan um, and understand the symbolic importance of having a more inclusive royal family or a more um, allied royal family that does champion our cause as well to actually make us feel British because I don't really know how we expect black people within Britain to feel authentically British if the highest order of being British is not an advocate for black people. So that's all I got to say on a matter. Um, my closing quote this week is from the writer Brooke Newman, who says that the Crown's act of willful forgetting demonstrates how easy it was to overlook then and now the pivotal role played by the royal family in accelerating England's involvement in the transatlantic slave trade and the development of an Atlantic empire built on the backs and blood of African and indigenous people. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We publish episodes every second Thursday. You can follow us on Spotify and find us on Instagram at diaspora underscore collective and on Twitter at diaspora seapod where you can find our follow-up resource roadmaps for each episode and other posts related to issues close to our hearts. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) Mass (laughs) man.